Hello and welcome to another edition of Graveyard Smash. I'm Danny O'Dwyer. I'm Elise O'Dwyer. I'm Jason. And I'm Caitlin. Alright, so the movie we're doing this time is The Thing. I would have said you guys were our special guests, but my beer started to overflow and I had that to was accept some it. expert. You got in there, <laughs> I mean, you took care of business. <laughs> that I was more the... important than <laughs> properly introducing us. That would have been really sad if that I, had spilled over. I didn't want to get it on your Christmas runner, so. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> as, as I hit recording, I'm like, that's a really bad poor job. This is not going to end well, but. I didn't say anything. So we're doing the movie The Thing, as I just mentioned. Uh, if you haven't seen the movie and you would like to, um, you know, you should probably see it because we will be reviewing, like, the end of the movie and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you haven't seen it, though, you'll probably still enjoy it. You can probably follow along with the plot, kind of. So, uh, whoa. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> you looked around the room. I was like, oh, God, what am I missing? Oh, our, our dog is actually, uh, she is the thing. <laughs> and, you know, if only we understood Swedish... Or, uh, Norwegian. Norwegian, excuse me. Pardon me. I'm a racist, I guess. <laughs> oh, they're white people, dude. It doesn't right. matter. So the movie begins. It actually, it's interesting. I was reading on uh, the trivia. Oh, can I just say real quick? This oh. is, as if people don't know, this is John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh, right, yeah. It's a remake. Yeah, no. Okay, continue. Yes. <laughs> that was later remade. That yes. was later remade again. Oh, Wait, pre-made. Prequel. Prequel. Pre-made, Pre-made. yes. Yeah, the Prequel's more or less the same movie, but it's technically a prequel. And then the, uh, and it's, yeah, this is a remake of the movie from the 60s, Think from Another World. So, movie begins uh, with no Universal logo, which is a little different for the time. It's black cracks, and then you see a spaceship crash. It's like, when did this happen? You find out later, it was thousands of years ago. A <laughs> hundred thousand at least, at they say. At least. Which is scientifically accurate to the age of the planet. Right. Well, they'd be able to tell. It could have happened that long ago. Right. And they could probably tell because, uh, you know, they melt the ice and stuff. They can see, they can tell based on the type of, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually one that, that's one the science. I was really movie. hoping you were going to drop some, like, anthropological no, ice knowledge. No, they, they can tell what, they, what they, they, can, t- they can tell the when, not, when the water falls on. Yeah. Things like that. Man, you're just like so ramped. I got nervous. I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> I am. I am a born student. I really want yeah. to learn. About, um, I know they take like ice samples and stuff, and they can tell how long ago right. stuff happened. And so, well, so how long? I mean, how far they have to like, pour down? It's the same thing when archaeologists do it with dirt. How many layers? They can see how many layers yeah. of ice is accumulated. How long ago the alien got here? Exactly. Right. Like the real anthropologists. So, like, when we later find the alien spaceship in Antarctica, one of these future. Uh, expositions will know that it's because you know it's this far down ice. <laughs> that's where the aliens there are for came. Sure, like thousands of flying saucers in the ice in Antarctica. Like, oh, completely! We, like every square meter, definitely. Although, and then we can tell which ones like were uh, there for the Egyptians, which were there for the Incas. <laughs> and we can finally settle years of dispute. Well, I was a little thrown by the one hundred thousand number because the Earth is five thousand years old, as we all know. As so, we all know, right? Yeah. So. Uh, so after uh, we go, you know, we've got that like sort of title sequence with Move the um, very cool effect. Oh yeah, dude, dope the, ass effect with the thing being burned into the screen, which was yes. done with like Jason and I both read the trivia. Uh, <laughs> we did homework. A smoke filled uh, fish, tank, fish tank, and yeah. then he burned a garbage bag. Mm-hmm. And that is the thing that I love most about the thing is that they are able to do all of this. 
horrifying stuff without a single computer. Yes, it was all totally practical effects, which... Right. Well, I mean, there is awesome. the chess game. That's a computer. Well, that is the most advanced. <laughs> <laughs> there is a lot of really great computer magic in this movie. Let's not overstep no, that. It reminds me a lot of Alien or Star Wars and the fact that they can do so much with really lo-fi effects. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's very genius. Yeah, it's all... Because it's you had to be more creative. You know, yeah. and I mean, so we'll much of CG the, work, right. I mean, it can, like, enhance or it can make you lazy, you know, these days. Well, it I have like, no interest whatsoever in seeing the prequel that came out a couple years ago. Yeah. Because the CGI looks terrible. Yeah, it looks bad. Right. And the previews, I, and a little bit, I saw, like, I saw some scenes was, here and there on okay. cable. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the only thing, is Mary Elizabeth Winston in it, is in it, and she's pretty attractive, but otherwise... <laughs> she's more, she's better looking than anyone in this movie, I'll give you that. Well, okay, uh, wait, any girl in this movie, yeah, which right. is zero. No one's more looking than Kurt Russell. I take that well, back. There wasn't Kurt Russell's a... pretty enough to be a girl. Yeah, that's he's true. Just, there is he's, that. He's beautiful. Yeah, he's, like, really masculine, too, though. Like, he's it's, not, like... But he's, like, Paul Newman, where it's just, like, he's masculine, but also just a beautiful face. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Let's all drink to Kurt Russell. So the, uh, <laughs> so the movie actually begins with, um, so th- there's a helicopter chasing a, a husky across the frozen plains of Antarctica. And Very they're dramatic. shooting at this dog. And it's like, why are they shooting at a dog? That's an odd way to start a movie. And you think that's the most horrible thing, you know, that could happen in a movie. And you're wrong. You're yeah, wrong. Damn it's wrong. much worse. <laughs> then you it's not even the worst thing that happens to a dog in this movie. Right. <laughs> then we see this um, research facility and... We're first introduced to, like, some fat dudes playing ping pong, which is, like, you know, every cool high school party you ever went to. night, junior high. No, no, it's a bunch of scientists. Scientists. Doing scientist things in their science base. Who is, like, funding this project? Uh, U.S. US, uh, taxpayers, I assume. It's a joint military operation, What are they they researching? Never explained. Never completely explained. No, it's very clear. They're researching the impact of eight flamethrowers on the Antarctic (laughs) tundra because that is probably how many flamethrowers make their appearance in this film. Actually, the only thing that would make sense that they're researching is what isolation does to people. Yeah, like that. To me, that would be a pro- perfectly plausible they, reason they why be, they put these guys in the middle uh, of nowhere. The one guy has a chemistry set. I mean, they do. <laughs> they, no, they do research down in Antarctica. I don't know exactly what. I didn't bother yeah, what, looking that up. Uh, that's what I want to know. Check, is like, I know. Well, I imagine they have well, some sort of uh, it's climate stuff. They're probably I know, che- I know probably they use ch- bacteria. Bacteria. Yeah, they're probably ch- uh, checking the weather because they do know the weather down there. And it's like it's not like you could look it up on the news. Yeah. Uh, I know on the North Pole, they particularly they look for weather patterns because they move then further south into Canada, Greenland, Europe, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm just this is all conjecture. Yes, there is definitely science that occurs in Antarctica, but it, it never explains in this movie what, what kind of science they're doing. Or nor do they show uh, it. The only but, science is that but is I can think I can think that's much better because science is boring as fuck. <laughs> no one wants it. Like it's like Dan, number one fan of the page. I fucking hate science. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would much rather believe. I would just ignore all the scientific writing on the wall and such, and just believe that this is the real world, Antarctica. Yeah, because <laughs> you have 
you have like Big all the cast of characters is there. You have yeah. you know the cool black guy, two cool black guys. They have two. They have this movie has two cool black guys, which it, you know they that defies. Up, they hit their quota for eighties black guys in a movie, and they were like, let's double it. Yeah. Well, and they survived to the very end, almost. Yes. <laughs> so they go farther than most black guys do in horror films. Right. But like getting back back to the science though, but that's just the thing, like a movie like no, like a movie like the Doom movie with The Rock, part of it ruined it is like, let's explain all this shit. It's like, I don't care. Like, you're making a fucking movie out of the game Doom. The fucking nineties video game. Just have it monsters show up and people kill him. Like I don't need the like, oh well here's what we found. It's like, no one cares. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not asking them to explain any of the science of the thing. I, right. Actually, it's, it's better if nothing is explained. I just think it's really funny that yeah. these guys are dressed like they just a bunch of hobos taken off they the street, like straight up hobos, are in this secret like military base. Yeah, and it seems like all they do is play ping pong and hate well, maybe each it was, other. Maybe it was Saturday. You, and you then, didn't think of that. You take a day off inside. That is true. It, it, yeah. it could be A day Saturday. off lasts six months. And, and so then, they've got a tournament going on. It's a long day. It is. Yeah. And then. <laughs> That's the length of a day off. And then they hear gunshots in the distance. Yes. Which so, brings us to the present. Right. So they run out and they're like, hey, oh, this dog, he looks really nice because it's a dog. Oh, before we get to that really quick, I just want to point out, I'm sorry, I'm going to step backwards for a second. We were, before they run outside, introduced to Kurt Russell, who is playing a chess game at the computer, and yes. he loses. <laughs> and then he powered down his computer, as all people did in the 80s, by pouring his J&B into, like, the hard drive. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. The first of many stunning appearances by a J&B whiskey there, bottle. I, this movie was brought to us by J&B. <laughs> there was so much J&B. Well, yeah, that's really harsh because it's like, one, he's doing his video game computer. Forever. Like, like yeah. forever. It's not like, like I've smashed a couple of Discmans, like the C, what, carrying CD players around kids. Of course. Yeah. Because <laughs> they would start skipping and I'd be like, take the CD out, I'd blow on it, put it back in. The I struggle is real. Yeah, I want to listen to, you know, some the closer album. And then it starts skipping again, like, God damn it. And I would just hit, throw it against the wall. But I was always like, I kind of do the math in my head, like, I guess I could buy another one if I had to. You know, and the real tragedy is, is like, the song Closer by Nine Inch Nails, like, it's supposed to skip. Like, it's supposed to sound like that. <laughs> so you probably... Dan never knew. He went through so many disc men. Before, yeah. Like, Before Trent Reznor, like very repetitive, yeah. but it's an atmosphere builder. Like, it really gets there. It goes and then he later heard the MP3 and, file, and he's uh, like, oh, damn it. <laughs> also, it's the downward spiral now. Right. I was. I knew everyone knows. I know, but I, I don't want the people at home to just think I'm some kind of moron. <laughs> That's okay. I think I twice on this show referred to Ice Cream Man as Ron Howard's Ice Cream Man, but it's Clint Howard's Ice Cream Man. <laughs> so. You know, we all have... We're not perfect. It's okay. Oddly enough, that's just like asking for chocolate ice cream and getting vanilla ice cream. <laughs> <Same> <laughs> Clint <way>. Howard. <laughs> so... I would argue it's like asking for chocolate ice cream and getting, like, a turd. <laughs> oh. I'm just kidding. Clint Howard's good. He's, he was He's 80s. Great. He was 80s acceptable. <laughs> I prefer Clint Howard to Ron Howard. His work has been far more entertaining to me than Ron Howard. Preach. Like the House of the Dead movie, for example. Yes. Alright, since we recorded this, we found out that Clint Howard campaigned for Senator Ted Cruz's uh, presidential bid in Iowa. So, fuck that guy. Fuck you, Clint Howard. No, but... (laughs) 
So, but it's Back also bad because he, he pours whiskey in the computer. It's like, into oh, the no, computer. The whiskey, you can't drink it now. And this was 1982 when a computer cost like, you know, Somalia. It would cost yeah. that much money. <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> well, what's great about that one scene, though, is that it sets up immediately that this is not a tech guy. This isn't a science guy. This is the rough and tumble guy. Right. Like, you're supposed to, as an audience, emphasize with it because it's like, oh, he doesn't even, he doesn't like technology. He's just like you. Yeah. <laughs> it's the, honestly, it's the same reason why they have him wear a cowboy hat yes. even when he's like in a full-on parka and a hat. He's the cowboy hat so you'd be like, oh, right, there's the hero. Right, right. he's just like me, a the- white alcoholic male <laughs> wearing a cowboy hat piloting a helicopter I while know. I watch Speak this film. Speak for yourself, Chase. It's, it's, I am. It's your life story. That's exactly what I'm doing. Have you seen my profile? <laughs> so, so the dog runs up and uh, it, it's really friendly and then these Norwegians get off the, their helicopter and they start shooting at everybody and they're like, what the fuck? They go to throw a grenade at him. He drops it behind him. Yeah, the Norwegian guy totally spazzes on that one. Like, uh, like the three stooges. Okay, but you're like when about, they accidentally like yeah. go to throw like a ball and grab a bomb behind their head or something. Like he does like the dog fake out, throw the grenade behind me, and blows up his helicopter. Well, you're forgetting too. You're from a country where people play baseball. The rest of the world, they throw like girls. <laughs> Like, go to, like, Europe and try to, be like, here, throw this. It's like, eh. I yeah, but they're military guys. I feel like they've learned how to throw a grenade. Wait, wait, when was the last war in Norway won? Exactly. Okay. Two <laughs> okay. Exactly. <laughs> I, I'm sorry to our Norwegian listeners. I'm oh, joking around, guys. The, the beauty of Kurt Russell's character, besides Kurt Russell himself, of course, is the name of his character. McReady. Yes. RJ. It's, is it McReady or McReady? McCready. 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 There yeah. it is. R.J. McCready. That was just beautiful name. It is a great name. Well, it's from the short story yeah. that this is based on, which well, I can't also, think of the name of it. I meant to read before this, but never finished. <laughs> <laughs> I fell asleep trying to read it. I thought it was something inside. Have to I think like, it was like the demon inside or... No. no. <laughs> I can't I remember. I just making that up. It's well, like a more innocuous name than that, but I can't remember what it is. Well, what's good, too, about this scene is the whole thing could have maybe been avoided if anyone spoke Norwegian or if the Norwegian guy spoke English. Because they're like, hey, that's a bad dog. That's a bad dog. You know? And they're like, what? It's a nice dog. It's licking our faces. And then, no, it, things do not go well. They start shooting up. So then one of the Americans pulls out his gun and he shoots the uh, Norwegian well, guy. Smashes out the window to the Antarctic base. Which, again, just like pouring whiskey in a computer, very short-sighted. Yeah, really short-sighted. Well, the alternative is, like, shooting through the window, like... He could go outside. Well, But then he'd be cold! Well, no, but also, there's a guy with a gun, like, shooting at his friends. He just shot the guy dead, you know? Sure, and now he's cold. Right, but you can deal with that, but that's a life-or-death situation. Yeah, Benning's got shot in the leg, so McReady goes ahead and treats it with a little vitamin J and B. (laughs) <laughs> Which is really his answer to most everything. That and the flamethrower in this movie. Yeah. I want to see the storeroom that was containing the J&B. <laughs> like, how many bottles did they have? Did they airdrop the- it? <laughs> like, that was the one thing? Did people thing? come in? Just, just J&B and flamethrowers? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Best weekend ever. <laughs> And so, yeah, they end up uh, taking this guy out and putting him down. Because and he didn't speak English. They, I, in their heads, it makes perfect sense. They he are saving a dog mm-hmm. that was being chased by a helicopter 
across the Antarctic tundra, which is probably the most exciting thing that's happened to them in a while. Yeah. Yeah. And the dog did jump up on someone and start, like, licking his face and stuff in a very sweet manner that would, you know... And then is almost immediately forgotten. They, yeah. They, they just let it go into the base and they handle the gunshot, and this dog... You take one, like, close look at this dog and you realize it is not at all a normal dog. Right. It's a good, it's a very good dog actor. Like that needs to be said. It's one of the best dog actors I've seen because he it is a real dog. It's normal. Yes. He like acts weird and stuff. Well, and we he were acts talking, like a he acts like a fake dog, right? Because we were and we were talking about this a little bit when we were watching the movie. The dog is half wolf, but they said it favored wolf very heavily. It didn't bark. It didn't growl. It didn't do any of the normal like dog indicators. But it would make a face when it was feeling, like, agitated, and it was very likely to attack. So the people on set with this wolf dog were all, like, very on edge in any scene they had to be with it, because it was an unsafe dog to be around. (laughs) It could, like, snap and bite your face off at any moment. Yeah, it's got the thousand-yard stare down, too, where it it just looks so ominous. Even into shots where it's looking out the window at everybody outside... You the whole time you're thinking, oh my god, this is why are they letting this dog yeah. just hang out? Because it's not yeah, acting like day. a dog. Yeah, like, it, it's they kind of, they don't really talk about the timeline of the movie about like because you can't really tell with the sun setting or anything. But there's like a whole day that goes by that they're all doing stuff and this dog's just they hanging out before chill. they kennel it. Yeah, yeah, they didn't like vet it at all. They just were like, well, now you live with us. Well, dude, it's a dog. I mean, yeah. like. Right, but right, there's no yeah. explanation why they didn't mean to like put it in the kennel with the other dogs. Oh sure, yeah. yeah. And then, um, so yeah, they put the dog in the kennel with the other dogs. Well, we do see it um, sneak into a room with someone, but we don't oh, see yeah. who. Yeah. And we see a lot of shots of the dog being contemplative and like, yeah, like right. you said, the thousand long, thousand mile <laughs> yeah. stare, well, staring you, at doors. You don't realize people. it right away, but the dog is trying to figure out who to assimilate first. Yeah. Like, who's the weakest link? Yeah, he's link. sizing everybody up. Exactly. Yeah. So and the dog, yeah, goes in the room with somebody, and then they put him in the kennel. Well, before they do that, they go to check out the Norwegian base, and they bring back a giant oh, yeah. gooey thing and stick it onto what I assume is a <laughs> table of dry ice. <laughs> it's like misting everywhere. Yeah, it's a really gross-looking dude. Yeah. It's got, like, two faces... Yeah, it's a mid-transformation sort of thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's one of the most disgusting things. Like, if you were a kid and you, like, stayed up late and you went downstairs to, like, your parents and they were watching this movie and that was the first thing, like, you're done. You're you're, you're done. Like, your childhood over. doesn't matter (laughs) how old you are. And more specifically, we find out that the Norwegians must have taken it out of somewhere because there's a big chunk of ice that they had cut it out of. Yeah. And I had one of my favorite scenes where anytime that someone's trying to figure out what's going on and McCready's just like, eh, forget about it. Yeah. The poor doctor's, like, trying to gather up all this research that may explain what's going on. (laughs) And McCready's like, nah, forget that shit. I'm a cowboy. (laughs) He's a helicopter pilot. What does he give a shit? You know? And then, uh, well, it's also funny because it's Wilford Brimley who's, like, cutting this thing open. Wilford Brimley. (laughs) And it's like, perhaps he's Uh, looking for a cure for diabetes. Yes. Or diabetes. A new new flavor for Quaker oatmeal. (laughs) Something. Well, this was before all of that. Right, before all that, he didn't have a mustache or anything. You know, much like, you know, Eisenhower... You know, was a warrior before he was a president. Right. This is this is his defining moment 
in his youth, which I imagine is somewhere between, you know, age 50 and 60. Right. It's before Cocoon, even. It is, yes. You know, speaking of that, like, this movie came out in 1982. And the other two movies that came out right around the same time as this were E.T., which drastically different view of extraterrestrials. (laughs) Like, you don't want to switch these two movies around when you're going for a nice jaunt with the children. Um, And also, it, it opened... Right around the time as Blade Runner. Oh, yeah. So this was a fantastic time for, like, dreamers. Yeah, yeah. for science fiction. <laughs> Dope-ass movies. Yeah. But specifically, movies always reflect the times that they're made in. Yeah. And so the thing, like, Blade Runner, what I love about it is it kind of reflects that Cold War. Yeah. Fear of, like, the the enemy could be within yeah. and that you don't know. Like, how we're talking about the Americans. Yeah. And how his idea that, like, the Russians were everywhere, right? And the, mm-hmm. the communists living next door. And right. you don't, you can't tell friend from foe. Yeah. And you see that in the thing. Yeah, def- yeah it's definitely. definitely a very... And we always try to get into this, like... I, I think more so than maybe a lot of film genre, horror reflects what's going on in the country at the time. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's very true of this movie, like... If there could be a stronger, like, allegory for, like, Cold War, like, fear and, um... And I think that's why the thing has lasted so long, kind of in the, you know, cultures, I guess, and why we we appreciate it, is that, um, it, that fear of the other. Yeah, it speaks to that. It's always there. Yeah, and... And that's the scariest thing in horror, is not knowing... (laughs) The unknown. This, yeah, and this movie is full. Up until this point, when they put the dog in this kennel, the audience—if this is the first time you've seen this movie—you have no idea what's going on. What the threat is? What's what is the why threat? Why someone was shooting at the you dog? Have, yeah, yeah. There are just these Norwegian guys in yeah. this frozen, destroyed base. One of which raised the most questions of any movie scene in my life where this guy is sitting in a chair and it looks like maybe he committed suicide and then it froze as the blood was coming out of him. Yeah. Yeah. Like... Yeah. And, and it looks like, it looks like he going... didn't just kill himself. He, like, nearly cuts his own head off. Right. Yeah. And so what could possibly elicit such a, a response from such, you know, gentle, you know, level Northern European people? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They used mm-hmm. to be Vikings too. I mean, let's right? Not like, they don't. They don't panic, is what we're saying. Right. Yeah. And so then the dog goes in the kennel, and it's surrounded by other sled dogs. And as it's probably clear by now, this dog is not actually a dog. Yeah. It is a shape shifting, horrifying nightmare of an right. alien. And like in Terminator, the dogs can sense it. They immediately start going ape shit. They're like barking at it. They're like, <laughs> "What the fuck is this?" And this is one of the only times that I actually tear up during any movie when these dogs are so desperate to get away from this horrifying thing that's mutating. Because it explodes into, like, tentacles. And, like, and spaghetti tentacles. Yeah, Because, yeah, like, to be clear, the way that this alien works is that it eats you and then absorbs you from the inside out. Yeah. And then becomes you. Right. But it has to eat you first. <laughs> yes. Yeah, by exploding into just... Blood and guts like and a tentacles and yes. We don't know how the process works, but there's a lot of blood involved. Well, maybe Dan knows about the science behind this. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I, I'm an amateur scientist at best. <laughs> and so I, I, I really... And then during the scene, the dogs are so desperate to get away, one of them is chewing on the wire of the, the cage. The, yeah, that's and the worst yeah. part. All that's almost unwatchable. Is, exactly. Yeah. There's no way you can go through all of that yeah. and get away and... 
then the thing begins to absorb them, and which is where we get our first flamethrower. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> they start shooting the dogs and like while this is going on. And that doesn't work. Yeah. And then so they pull out the flamethrower and they just torch everything. Because at one point, the uh, thing, which is like grown 50 times in size, of it's just like this red guts looking like amalgam of like pieces of dog and monster. Yes. And there's this like flower that opens up like and comes at the people. And well, it's, it's like, like a... Flower made of flesh. It's made. It's of, more um, like a what is it? The Venus flytrap thing. It's and it's it's kind of what it looks like the way it opens up, and it's filled with um, dog tongues and tongues, teeth. Yeah. yeah, but it's like such a quick moment. It's hard. It's like the details and like all the gross, creepy details are so awesome. And it's all puppetry. It's all yeah. physically, mm-hmm. actually there happening. So Robert Botton did the makeup for this movie. He was twenty-two years old. And, like, you have to attribute a lot of, like, the cool shit from this movie just straight from him. Because it wasn't like anybody approached him and said, we want to do this with this movie. We want it to look this way. Like, he was, he said to John Carpenter, can the thing look like anything? And he said, yes. And he said, okay, cool. And he just went nuts. And that's, like... He just went, did storyboard after storyboard after storyboard of, like, all these, like, creepy images and just made them happen, which is really cool. Like, I don't know. This is not a movie we'd be talking about now, I don't think, if it wasn't yeah. for Robert Patton. You know, like, what he had a vision. with it. What an amazing job at 22. Yeah. 22. To, to get that kind of license from a director and just be like, you can be anything you want. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and he just, like, thought he was talented and said, like, just, yeah, whatever you think you can make work. Do it. And uh, then he did it. It's a lot better yeah. than being a janitor when you're 20. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or being an unpaid intern yeah. getting coffee or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, what a horrifying thing to be fantastic at. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want you to reach deep down into your mind, and it's like, that was in your mind? Oh. Oh. Well, apparently for, like, movie makeup artists especially, I guess working on horror films is, like, the dream job. Yeah. Sure. Because you can make anything. Right. You just make a reality. Yeah, you don't have to, like, meet an expectation or, like, pick something that's already been done. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's cool Gone about it. Fancy. What I like about the scene with the kennel is that at one point, McCready's sh- going to shoot this one dog uh, with his uh, shotgun. And then the dog handler stops him. And a th- part of the thing jumps into the ceiling. And it's yeah. really quick and you miss it. And no one else is there. None of the people that are, that are currently shooting at this thing notice it going to the ceiling. Yeah. And then they never address it. Yeah. Because somewhere on his base right. is a thing floating around. Yeah. Well, it turns right. out that that's the plot point. That is yeah. like the most important detail of right. this time. Well, because they're trying to figure out who's a thing later on. And they, they don't, they completely forgot that one of them, or didn't notice, one of them went up into the ceiling. Yeah. Like, so there's So did that one, one, like, look like the way it did? Like, kind of a naked dog thing with claws? Like, did that... I think, it was, I think it was wounded. So I suspect that it, I think that was the thing that later got uh, Wilford Brimley's character. And I don't know if it was maybe like the spider head that we later see uh, that it was just a piece of the thing that got him. Yeah. Yeah. So after the kennel, um, everyone's like, 
Everyone's not enjoying themselves. I think it's safe to say <laughs> that is that is one way to put it for they sure. They haven't yeah. like seen enough to know like what's happening. What's happening? So they um they're like hanging out in the rec room again, and. Um, the okay. Well, this is when Wilford Brimley's character is still kind of looking at the corpse that they found at the Norwegian base. Yeah. And so after this happens, he sits down and realizes that... He's starting to put it together. Yes, that it, it's a human that this happened to. And then he looks at the, the thing that ate the dogs and compares it and realizes that the, the thing was absorbing the dogs, right? Yeah. It was starting to transform into whatever it was into dogs. Yeah. And he does the only logical thing <laughs> in my book. He starts to smash everything. Yeah. No, oh, they're radios. Before that, he runs a very state-of-the-art computer program. A oh, simulation yeah. of, course. of two cells and the, the virus yeah. alien thing attacking normal cells and assimilating it. Uh, and you have to watch a cell go across the screen yeah. about as slow as possible. I think this entire beautiful scene, MS yes, boss. this entire scene is about five minutes long. These two blobs connecting it's with each other. It's actually in the middle of a game of Oregon Trail. <laughs> this is fording the river. And then he, he uh, this is the screensaver right, that comes yeah. on when you yeah. walk away too long. And even and apparently, not only is he a doctor, but he's also a brilliant computer scientist that can run simulations, and he, and he runs simulation of how many people are likely to be affected on the base and finds out it'd be about 75%. Right. And then there's 27,000 hours before if this virus or alien hits the mainland, uh, how long everybody would be assimilated. And then he goes apeshit. Which he finds out by like typing three keys. Yes. Yeah, he, he was a henpecker for yeah. sure. With his giant sausage I fingers. Think, I think they were like, they were just kind of like, Wilford, do your best. Like, I can't imagine the man knew how to type. They were just like, and he's like, is this good? <laughs> Clock, you see, like, well, but usually when I'm... Yeah, that looks like that's how you would yeah, do it. Yeah, he types like a person who's never seen a computer before. And it's only possible because people in 1982 still thought that computers were powered by witchcraft. <laughs> they thought they could do anything. A more informed audience later on looks at, like, swordfish and goes, there's all sorts of... Blah, blah, blah. Back then, you just go, type, 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 drastic, super complex computer program predicting the end of the world. Sure, this is about the same time that War Games came out, so... Right. Yes. That movie rules. <laughs> Let's talk about that for a while. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so Wilfred Brimley discovers that it's likely that other people on the base have been affected... He has a really creepy conversation with the dog handler where he's implying the dog handler is a thing. And the dog handler is like, what are you talking about? It's like, dude, he's obviously calling you a thing. Mm-hmm. And, and then he starts to go crazy. But if you don't see it for a while, he's just, Wilford Grimley's in the background while everybody else is like squabbling, just yeah. Yeah, and the one dude figuring out how to destroy the roller skates is like, hey, whoever put your dirty drawers in the kitchen... Like, don't put that stuff in my garbage. And, like, he throws a pair of, like, ripped up underpants on, like, the, the pool table. Jobs. Yeah. But they're, like, brown. I'm like, did he think those were shitty underwear that he brought out of the garbage? <laughs> right? like, like, we know now that it was, someone was turned into a thing. Because the yeah. thing rips your clothes when it, because it's a very violent process. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As it turns out. So, meanwhile, the doctor, you know... Is smashing everything. He's smashing the radios. He tries and smashes the helicopter to get make sure that none of them can escape if this thing ends up eating them all. Yeah. 
and he doesn't bother to explain to anybody what he's doing. Yeah, and so they lock him up. They're like, "You're crazy. You're going." They he also, oh sorry, shack. Yeah, and he also um, when I think McReady and I think one of the other dudes approaches him with a table to try to stop him. They run at him with a table, which I've never seen, which is kind of an awesome like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's an awesome way to do it. He sinks an axe into the middle of the table, like. And they take him down. I mean, it's Wilford Brimley. Yeah. He, he was not, he was not young then. <laughs> <laughs> we're actually we're skipping a part though. Right before Blair goes crazy, so this is right when Blair is eligible uh, from Brimley's character is figuring oh, out doing, how to destroy they're, they're checking out the goo more. Is um the character of uh, Windows, the com- the communications operator, and Bennings, which is the yeah. one guy, and they're chilling out in a room, and the thing attacks Bennings, which has my favorite scene, which is, so he starts to simulate, and Windows comes in and catches it, and then Bennings runs out yeah. into the frozen oh, tundra, yeah, <laughs> and then he goes running and tells everybody, like, oh my god, it, it, it got Bennings, and then we, they run after Bennings, and he's got, he's, like, tentacles. He's got tentacles, because he has to finish assimilating. Right. <laughs> okay, and then, so he's kneeling there, surrounded by all of his former friends, watching him transform, and he opens his mouth... <laughs> To give what I'm sure to him sounds like a perfectly rational explanation. <laughs> He's oh, trying hello. to explain. Hello, friends. Just came out to get some air. <laughs> yeah, Instead, but it's like. It is the funniest scene because of the faraway look in his eyes and his mouth opening so big. And then the, like, thing noise comes and, out. And he sounds like Chewbacca with a cold. <laughs> and it's meant to be horrifying, but in reality, it's, it's hysterical. It's it actually is the funniest moment And then flamethrower count, too. Yeah. yeah. Like, yes. And torch thing, too. I mean, it's just the same flamethrower. Yeah, I mean, like, okay. You can use the same one twice. They're not disposable? N- not yet. I, mean, I thought they were, like, Q-tips. It's actually, I've got a business proposition for you. What if we started marketing Reusable. Disposable. disposable. Disposable flamethrowers. So you know, oh, I thought you were going to say reusable Q-tips. No, no, no. That's a great idea, too. We okay. should do both. We should do... You know a company what? that makes... No bad ideas. Yeah, okay. Good. Okay. What I love about this is that... So they have all these flame... First, at the beginning, they say, get the flamethrower. And by the end, there's like seven of them. Yeah. And then they never run out of fuel, except for one moment in the movie when the plot dictates that they run out of fuel. Yeah. And one then time. it won't go off. And then it won't go just, off. I don't even think it ran out of fuel. I think it was just misfiring. It was just misfiring. So they never run even though in real life flamethrowers they can't like, last very long no they run out of fuel in like 30 seconds yeah. that's why the army stopped using them okay. they only well, use the wide open spaces and they run out of fuel really quickly and they're like weigh 60 pounds yeah. well they no, they stop using them because they're also inhuman. well that too <laughs> okay. that's, but, but I don't see what's first wrong first it was a cost saving thing with then our military inhuman. burning people alive yeah. I, I mean, really don't see the problem with well, that. Well, the Geneva Convention outlawed any weapon that was too rock and roll. <laughs> so, Which is why in Fury Road you could use them again because there's no more Geneva Convention. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Finally. What I really like about this movie is that, you know, all of this stuff is happening and they're not reacting like action heroes. They're not reacting like, oh, this is a situation I've got to grasp on. Like, they are all clearly losing their minds over this situation, trying to figure yeah. out what's going on. Yeah. There's no scientific yes. way to figure out who's been taken over. Yeah. And actually, well, not, they don't act 
differently though. So they're not all acting the same. So the military guys are trying to handle on it and they're blow, they're all bravado and but my favorite guy is the is the um operator guy who's been trying the whole time to reach somebody on the radio and he can't and he's the one that's freaking out the most and he is the most realistic reaction to what's going on which is just to like start to cry and like freak out yeah, and yeah. just has a complete mental breakdown but we'd all be that guy yeah <laughs> easily yeah. easily i would have been i would have been emotionally destroyed after seeing like the doggies die <laughs> alone. Yeah, and then you see the dude with like flipper arms. Yeah, like, <laughs> trying to talk to me. Yeah, like, burn him alive, and then and then, then you're wearing rational scientist that you would turn to to help solve it. It looks he like he's gone crazy and he's destroying all your equipment. They have to lock him in a crazy house on the edge of the camp. Like, and the two people in control um, is McCready and. The um, one black guy. What's yeah. Uh, well, because, child. 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 Yeah. Who are like, just getting like, a pissing contest. Yeah. yeah. Well, because the one guy who's supposed to be in charge is just like, first of all, they think, because uh, that's another thing, is the one doctor is like, okay, well, I've got an idea for a test, is we can take, like, we can take that thing's blood and mix it, because it assimilates people, we mix it with, like, our blood, and if there's a reaction, we know that person's one of those things. Well, they don't mix it. They just test everybody's blood. No, no, no. This was the original plan. Oh, I'm this sorry. was the first blood test. This was oh, the second doctor. And this the, the second doctor. And they plans. went to the meat locker, and I'm sorry. it was all uh, torn up. And so they're like, "Who had a key?" It was the doctor. And Why? So can the, I ask a quick question? Sure. Why did they all have blood samples in the fridge? They had extra blood. They probably so. stopped blood. If there's an accident, oh, like where right. they, okay. they have to, yeah, they have to stop blood. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So they had blood for everybody there, and it was all just drained. Yeah. I mean, the, the actual answer is it's for science. It's for their science. Yeah. Well, at this point, so this is the part of the movie where they don't yet really know that they're in a horror film. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, they're, so they're making mistakes, like constantly splitting up. So, so it's the, like the, every other line is, everybody split up. <laughs> so they all gather to deal with whatever catastrophe just happened, whether it's the dogs or Wilford Brimley or the guy who has flipper arms. And then immediately after, one guy, like, I gotta go do this. And I'm like, all right, scatter. Yeah. yeah. And then it's like, whoa, is, now it's like, now I think you're a thing. Like every time they like reconvene, they no longer trust each other. Right. Like that much more. So they have to, and then they have to go through the process of establishing who isn't a thing. Someone dies. Then like, okay, we're not all things. Scatter. Yeah. <laughs> so they're trying to figure out this first blood test, find out the blood is destroyed. And only yes. two people had access. had access. And one of them is the other doctor who isn't Wilfred Brimley. And uh, the president from Clear and Present Danger. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so they, uh, so they, sus- you know, kind of suspect him. Mac uh, McCready takes control, kind of by default. Well, because they go out again on a search party, and the one dude finds McCready's clothes ripped up. And he says he's a thing because. Well, this is this is no. That's that, that's a little bit. You're oh, okay, little I'm jumping ahead. What what happens? They're all sitting there in the lab having an argument, and the communications guy runs and gets a shotgun because he he's just he's, he loses his mind. Right, yeah. he's a complete freak yeah. out. And so the the um, president. In clear and present danger, it seems to be the head yes. Yes. of this base. Yeah. yeah, and so they don't trust him anymore. So he's willing to give his power away, and Kevin David wants it, mm-hmm. but McCready gets it because Keith David. Keith yeah. David sorry, Keith David. <laughs> uh, I was close. 
Keith David, um, who I basically know from Community. Oh, it was and, also good. He's in uh, right. He's in the uh, in Saints Row uh, Part Four. He's the vice president as yes. Keith David. Wow. Yeah, it's like Vice President Keith David. And he was in Armageddon. I actually, I enjoyed everything Keith David is yeah, he's saying, a great and I feel bad now that I got his name right. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but for some reason, the doctor, and if this is like something that actually physically happened, then it's kind of a silly plot twist, but if this was a plan by the thing all along, totally brilliant. The oh, doctor the has a heart attack. Yeah. And so they no, wait, throw him... It's not the doctor, it is... The guy, the one guy who they thought was like, well, he's beyond reproach. Like, yeah, they don't actually. He's, his role is never specified in the film. He's just, I think he's a scientist. He's just kind of there in all in different scenes, so interacting like, yeah. with people. So yeah, actually, I know three. him. He he's the guy. He's approaching number three. He was the guy who was in Dante's Peak. Oh my god. Yeah. Which I just remember because he was the asshole scientist who kept saying, "Oh no, it's never going to blow, never going to blow." The other volcano movie. Because okay. every movie, every movie, every disaster scientists. movie has to have one asshole you have scientist. Have, you have to have either. I posit this: it either has to be an asshole scientist or an asshole mayor. Yes, <laughs> who refuses to do anything. One of these beaches. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and that, and really, that is that guy's really role. Just really quick side note about Dante speak. I I never saw the movie. But we did a C from it in the seventh grade in English because we got like a free like, you know, one of these like the blending of corporate America and education. Like we got like a free book, and it was like part of it is like, oh, there's a scene from Dante's Peak. All you kids can perform it. Like, wow! In reading class, did you, know? you did you do the scene where like the grandma gets into the lake and oh, the boat? No. no, no, no. It was like uh, I guess again, I've never seen. It. it was I think it was something in the beginning where like people get into a hot spring and then they get like burned. That's oh, not okay. that's not middle school appropriate. They that really of, that really is it. But oh, it's it really is, none of Dante's Peak is middle school appropriate. But then again, if, if you're teaching abstinence education, I think they got in the hot spring to have sex and then they die. It was unclear. <laughs> that is the, true. The scene we read, and then it was like, find out more. Go see Dante's Peak this summer, kids. <laughs> was, was like the smelly kid the one who had to read that part? <laughs> okay, so it is the asshole scientist from Dante's Peak, and I'm really bad that right. I don't know well, the doctor's name. interesting, too. I thought that it was cool because I wrote it in my notes, which I don't have, but it was like, he was the one guy where they were like, well, he's beyond reproach. He's fine. You know, yes, nobody actually. When everyone's thinking, everybody else is being accusatory. No one. Like, he's like eating a sandwich in yeah. the background. They, they right. ask him well, if he wants to be in charge, even. Right, and, and he says no. Like, yeah, which is brilliant yeah. because because he's at a that thing. Point, he's a thing. Yeah. Is, it totally. Like, everyone's like, well, since he didn't want to be in charge. Yeah. he's obviously fine. Yeah, yeah, and I and then yeah, I think it was just like the thing like kind of fucked up the body, so the dude has a heart attack. You know, it's kind of kind of what I saw it as. Sure. And so the doctor... He picked the wrong body. Yeah. You really yeah. don't. Don't the pick the bad. overweight guy. He looked like <laughs> one hamburger away from the massive coronary. Do yeah. not pick that guy. Who knows how much he was drinking and smoking Well, and he days. lived all the way to at least Dante's peak. We know that. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, in real life... Yeah, what year did that happen? Let's yeah. Google, when did Dante's peak... I think, like, 97 or 97. It was definitely it was that a, era you know of what? disaster It was movies. the same year as Volcano, yes. because Hollywood loves to make two films with similar like plots. Like House Down and... What's the other one? <laughs> Uh, and that's where I learned. That was the year that I Olympus learned. Olympus has fallen. Olympus also, has fallen. Armageddon and <laughs> Deep Impact. Deep, Deep Impact. Impact. Yes. yes. Yeah. That's that was the year that I learned that uh, like traffic barriers can stop lava. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, concrete, concrete can, can yeah. stop lava. Right. So you can set up like road barriers, and then they'll stop lava while hundreds of people stand directly behind them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that part, not so much. No. <laughs> so uh, yeah. 
Oh, yeah, so that scene, so he has a heart attack, and the doctor runs to save him. And he's, you know, giving him CPR, and then his chest just disintegrates, just caves in. Well, it pops open. Look at it, it disintegrates, it disintegrates into a pair of jaws. Like, it doesn't pop open, it just, his, his hand just go right through. And the cool thing about that scene is, the way they filmed it was with an amputee. Yes. Oh, it was yeah. a guy, he, he lost his arms in an industrial accident. <laughs> That's and how lo-fi this movie is. I love they it. made a mask of the actor to put over his face, and they made the arms out of, like, jello and, like, um, rubber, and it looks amazing. Mm-hmm. You're like, yeah. yeah. Well, the other thing that's really funny about that scene is the first time I showed Elise this movie, like, when we first started dating... <laughs> I like had it. I was like, "Oh, this is coming up." And I grabbed her when that happened. It's the second the jaws, I timed it down on the arms. <laughs> he grabbed me, and I literally fell off the couch. <laughs> I, I flailed and fell off the couch. I mean, terror. Was that the night you proposed? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's true love. Making your girlfriend yeah. pee your pants is true love. Yeah. Well, and then so the, and then like the thing like. So they start like mess up the body and they they, they set it on fire again. Uh, you know, yes. And uh, one of their single use flamethrowers. They did not. You really need a more efficient solution. Yeah. I feel like we're the answer. <laughs> so and then the head of the thing like pops off oh. and starts like crab walking God. around. Like, okay, you, you are not selling this. Yeah, right. you have to, we have so, to. We have to. Have that. Okay. They, so when Childs this, brings in the flamethrower, I have to. This is this yeah. is the scene that yeah. gave me nightmares as an adult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Childs busts in with the flamethrower and lights the whole room up, and, and in the smoke and the confusion. The thing is screaming on the table. And going, <laughs> And through sheer force of will, just stretches its head off of its body, plops down to the floor, and then grows spider legs and starts crawling away upside down. Well, first it, it has a lizard-like tongue drag yes. it across the floor yeah. before it sprouts the legs. And it's, it's such a great moment when the dudes see the head... And, like, their faces. And it's like, wow, it's not every day you see your bro's head sprout legs and walk away. Like, it's a moment, like, the look on their face is like, if it were a cartoon, they would pull a jug marked with X's out of their pockets and pour them out. <laughs> there, there were hundreds of jokes yeah. they could have pulled at that moment as they watched this upside-down head try and crawl away. Yeah. And I'm actually proud of them for not using any yeah. of them. And I feel like a modern Hollywood film, there would be some wisecracking guy that yeah. would make a joke right Looks there. Looks like he lost his head. And then exactly. Clearly I mean, undermining. These are pretty big on right. like one-liners like True, that, so. true. It's not, it's not just, just a modern thing. the film, you know? But, well, Oh, we, uh, we're kind of jumping around, but right yeah. before this scene, when the doctor, or not the doctor, um, Dante Peak guy has a heart attack and the doctor tries to save him, that's when they're questioning whether McCready is the, a thing. the thing. And he comes back in with, like, a frozen beard oh, and yeah. a flamethrower and dynamite. Right? Is <laughs> and, that that moment? And yeah. he has a, first he lights a flare and hold him to the dynamite so nobody can kill him because yeah. he'll light, he'll blow everybody up. Yeah. And he's holding the flare right next to <laughs> the dynamite. But really, it should have gone up. Like, Close enough you know to surely ignite it. How yes. many Chinese Americans died in the 19th century <laughs> just like that? Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, that was pretty cool, too, because the, the, the one black dude with the uh, headband and stuff, the guy who's usually on roller skates, like, he was, because they went out looking, and he said he found uh, the McCready, you know, thing, like, kind of... His jammies. His jammies, with like, his ripped name apart. And so he just cut his lifeline, which you need in, like, Arctic situations where you, What's like... What's a lifeline? You have to be tied because you can't see it. Oh, so you can find your way back. It's yeah. white-out conditions. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so McCready is that ba- much of a badass. He's not the thing. <laughs> he found his way back. And he finds his way back without a lifeline. Yeah. And, and he's planned ahead because he has a dynamite and he's ready to blow up one to Kingdom Come. Which was foresight. It actually yeah. worked out yeah. in his favor. It was, pre- it was quick thinking. Yeah, so then, and that, so it's after that where McCready gets the plan. He's like, well, we could do a blood test, right? Yeah, he ties everybody up. Well, he ties up the people that he's most suspicious of. Yeah. And then he, he, um, he takes blood and he's like, okay, well, that thing, every part of that thing was fighting for life. Like, it's It gives him head. the idea of seeing the head walking away. Yeah, yeah. I was like, you know, <laughs> this is a little, uh, you know, People usually can't do that. <laughs> so he conducts the only blood test in history that directly involves a flamethrower. It's <laughs> <laughs> nice. So his plan is to, he takes a piece of bare copper wire, he heats it up with the flamethrower. And his idea is because every Have part you, of this in thing... in your line of work ever used copper wire in such a fashion, can I ask? Um, I know that you occasionally use copper I've never, wire. I've never done a blood test with it. No, okay. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> well, this is the 80s. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> AIDS was really big. <laughs> Not a joke. No. <laughs> um, no, but so his idea is like, well, if I put a hot poker, hot piece of wire in this blood, if it's like a monster, it'll try to attack. If it's, if it's monster blood. Right. TM. Yeah. <laughs> Not related to the Goosebumps story of the same name. Wait, what? The, it's what it's like the sixth Goosebumps book it's, I want to say. No, I, they're not. Why do you know what I order thought, the Goosebumps books were released in? Because they had a number on the side. I thought that Why was do a you direct sequel. That? Yeah, I think we're I think we're not questioning no, 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 the numbers. No, no. I'm questioning you retaining the information. <laughs> oh, I, all right, <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, you know, you. It had, would be really funny if the thing showed up in like a Goosebumps book. It's like a, a bunch of twelve year olds, you know, playing with like a camera that, like, you know. And then, you know, the fucking thing shows up. Someone get R.L. Stein in here now. Sorry, we got a story for you, R.L. Stein. So there was a camera. Well, you know what the camera does. These kids are playing with people's cameras. No, no, no. You say cheese and die. You take pictures of it, and then bad things would happen. But the cover, it seems so much cooler than the rest of the book, because the cover is all these, like, skeletons. They're having a cookout, and you're like, "Uh uh-oh. Especially when you figure out the premise, and you're like, oh, God, he's going to take a picture, and there's going to be all these, like, dead people. But no, it's always, like, a nail going through a foot, like... That's not, like, that scary, guys. Like, <laughs> well, it's kind of like, Are You Afraid of the Dark came on right before Tales from the Crypt. Yeah. And so, like, if you were the little kid, you would watch the first show, and then, you know, you would try and watch the first ten minutes of the second, and then just completely wimp out and run away. That's why yeah. Goosebumps exists. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Tales from the Crypt was pretty scary. Yeah. <laughs> In a most, way that Are You Afraid of the Dark never was. Yeah. Although, Are You Afraid of the Dark did have a really creepy... The clown episode? I'm thinking more, <laughs> more of the Broken Doll episode. I'm Krusty the Clown, and I'm going to kill you. Oh, I don't know that one. It's ones. one where where she gets transformed into a doll and lives in a dollhouse, and then she turns to bro- and she breaks into pieces. <gasps> that is scary. I mean, involving dolls, really clowns, which is <laughs> See, why Chucky one, is super scary. The clown one, the clown had like this blue saliva. And it and they were like running from it, and they were like looking. It was like from a comic book or something. And they were looking in the comic book, and then there were blue drips. And it was like, oh, oh god, no, 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 no. 
real. It's really scary. Everything's real. <laughs> so so Mac starts working his way through. And, uh, <laughs> and he so they put the blood in, the, in these petri dishes and they cut their fingers with like the largest cuts ever. It's like okay, well now you're all gonna need like stitches. Yeah. Oh, you're all gonna bleed to death. Yeah. Like, yeah how much blood they did they need? Given yes. blood before they, they used were, a little, little. You know what? McCready is not a patient man. No. He wasn't gonna yeah. like make a little. This prick man pours whiskey into computers. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and so then he'll take a petri dish full of what could be. The horrible alien blood that will kill all of you. And he holds it up and makes a big show of taking this hot yeah, thing and putting it, he, put it on, why, the, why uh, why he put it on the surface. And but yeah, he was holding well, it like by it, his face. Part of it's staging, like for a movie. Like honestly, it's yeah. like it, if he's it just, if he's standing by a table, like doing it. It was much scarier. Kind of, this I can't, I'll never forget the first part time I saw this scene. Yeah, it's, it's unlike any scene in any movie. Well, it's, it's like, like it's tension. Because yeah. and what's what's great about this movie is you never, besides the one guy, the Bennings guy, you actually never see somebody assimilate it. Right. You just later find out whether or not they were the thing. Right. So in that scene. Is the audience? You actually have no idea who there's is no, the thing. There's literally, and it's not like, oh, if you're astute enough, you would have figured it out. Like, there's no way of telling who's the thing and who's not. And it's not sloppy cop out story writing. I feel like, you know, I think it's purposeful. Yeah, it's just purposeful. Because you're, 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 yeah. you're always meant to question, right? Who's the thing and who isn't? And then, what I love about is in the commentary is that the director and Kurt Russell said they're actually. Is no greater timeline. Like, they don't even know yeah. who got assimilated first right. or who was. Like, right. the first person that we ever see is a crew member in right. Silhouette. Yeah. So that, yeah, when you, you can't even, like, okay, if you look at all the characters, figure out who was the first guy assimilated, it wouldn't tell you because it's not one of the actors. Right, which I like. Like, I like yeah. that it's not just something, like, you can, like. It's not obvious. Yeah. Right, that's something even you really figure out in, like, re- repeated views. You can come up with a theory. Right. You know, yeah. but. You don't feel smarter than the people in that room. Right. It's not like in other movies where you know more as the audience. Yeah, there's not and you're like, why can't you figure it out? Why can't right, you figure it out? Right, or even, like, the, you know, the second time you see Fight Club or something. It, it's like, it's still like, you're like, okay, well, when does this guy go? Because every time I've watched, I've paid attention to see, like, if I could put together a narrative in my own head, and you really can't. And right. it's not that it's sloppy, it's that it's just ambiguous, you know? Right, and, and like, another thing we, we uh, uh, you know, we're kind of jumping around, but, like, the part where when Max takes over, the guy who's the dog handler, who like, it was the most, like, this guy Clark. is Clark. He is definitely one of the things. He sure seemed like he would yeah, be. He yeah. Although weird. now, he now was... as modern audience, you're like, okay, he was just autistic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a little spurgy. He's just yeah. an autistic guy who loved his dogs. Yeah. But it yeah. reads he like really he really loved the dog. He really but he also so had a lot of contact with the dog. He did. And, was like, and he, was, he was always unaccounted for. Right. Which is why funny. you think he is right. the thing. And then he takes a stab at McCready and he shoots him in the head and it's like, oh, damn, no, he was just a regular dude. Like, Yeah. So, but during the... Which so, I love Keith David's like, well, now you're a murderer. Well, one of the first people he reveals to be good, like, a person, is Windows. And Windows, like, sigh of relief would make you think that test must have been inconclusive. Like, right. he didn't know if he wasn't a thing. <laughs> right. Like, is he just really stupid? He's like, maybe I am a thing. Oh, he just doesn't know, know how blood yeah. works. Okay, I mean, I have to stand up for Windows. That poor guy <laughs> just... All he wanted to do was, like, read his magazines and yeah. operate the radio. Yeah. He did not sign up for this. <laughs> There's also uh, the Fox and the Warriors. 
Yes, he was. Oh my god! Insane. And yeah. once again, he was same thing, same role in that in that movie. He just wanted to be a warrior. He didn't sign yeah. up for this crap. <laughs> he just wants to go home. He's three days from retirement. Yeah. yeah. So, so then uh, the warriors had a nice retirement package. They really did. Yeah, it was a yeah, nice pension. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> three squares. Three so squares. the uh, so. They're go, kind of working their way through, and they get to the guys who are tied up. So they like they do windows, they untie him. The uh, black dude with the headband, he's helping out pretty right away. They do those guys like first, and then it's like Keith David, the uh, the mayor, um, <laughs> the president, uh, the who's president, the, the head the of the president. base, yeah. and then Palmer that you find that yeah, I only know from Wikipedia is apparently the assistant mechanic. <laughs> well, yeah, and he's the guy in the jean vest. Yes, that's. Well, and who no one apparently suspects because they're like barely paying attention as they run his test. Well, and that's a, and that's the thing. Like you know it's coming, but the blood like jumps up like Bah! and it screams. It makes a screaming noise when it gets hit with the, the hot metal. Yeah, and immediately Palmer starts transforming, or like I guess next time transforming, it's kind of exploding outward. To, yeah, yeah. Like that. And, the, and these and, dudes are tied to a couch other, with yeah, him, which is like the worst bus ride of your life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And that, this is when, the only time in the entire movie, a flamethrower misfires. Yeah. Because, of course, the plot dictates that it does. I have to say, like, there's something a little bit upsetting, but also, like, I don't know, I guess it kind of proves he's human in that moment, because Kurt Russell looks panicked and afraid. And it's, like, it's, it's almost hard to look at, but it's, like, it's good. It's a good <laughs> moment. It's good to know that even Kurt Russell... In the face of a thing, in a misfiring, he wasn't afraid for himself. He was afraid for everyone around him. Right? Yes, because McCready, he'll 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 live us all. Yeah. (laughs) And this is when the uh, communications guy, the audience surrogate, that's when he dies. Yeah. Pretty violently, he he gets transformed from a person into a rag doll. Yeah. <laughs> that thing bucks him up. Like, just. <laughs> I love it's the almost use like of dummies in movies. Yes. It's always hilarious. Yeah, it's almost SNL sketch like <laughs> how it becomes uh, a dummy, quite obviously a dummy. I actually think that the thing at that point is super pissed. Like, he he's really brutally thought out how he's going to slowly take or over his face. Or she. Or she. Yeah. And it, it is super oh, pissed. <laughs> And so I feel like it taking the communications guy and just rattling around <laughs> like a dummy would seem to be working on a lot of aggression. He also hits the ceiling at one point in this sequence. Yes. Oh, the yeah. thing is very keen on, like, I would kind of think on his native planet, he might, might be a gymnast. You know, there's yeah. a lot of, like, <laughs> high jumps. Well, there's a lot of primal energy in that, like trying to make yourself bigger to scare off like a bear. Yeah. Like maybe it, that's like the strategy, like get bigger, the humans will panic. Maybe the, pe- maybe the people like scare the thing. They hadn't thought about that. Maybe know? it was just a wacky misunderstanding. It's, <laughs> it's a lot of stuff inside the human because every time it explodes outward, it comes like 10 times its size. Yeah. You know, I, I was thinking about that. It's not like, it's not 10 times the mass though. So, like, it spreads out and it talks a big game, but, like, it folds almost immediately to the flamethrower. Yeah. That's why it's got to be secret. It's, it's frail. It's fragile. It's got to sneak. And when it's forced out of its little, like, shadowy corner, like, they almost immediately dispatch it every time. Yeah. True. But all I'm thinking about is Men in Black and um, Vincent D'Onofrio's character, and he's the 
farmer that gets taken over by the bug, and he's trying, he's an ill-fitting human suit, yeah. and he's just walking with a weird, like, I just, that's what I think it should look like. Yeah. They're just like, oh, like, yeah. they think, like, they would immediately identify every time. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, that's a thing. <laughs> like, it's, it's. What fellow humans? <laughs> Like it's its neck doesn't fit properly. And it's, it's, you guys want some meat snacks? Are we convalescing in the rock room together at this time? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so then they're like, "Well, hey, let's go get Wilford Brimley. He's probably fine now. Let's check on him." Yeah, oh, been... and, and once again, so at this point, they know now. They know that all four of them are, are people. People, right? They've, they've all tested everyone's, everyone's blood. There's four of them left. They're all confident that they're people. So naturally. So naturally, <laughs> three of them go find Wolfer Brimley and one stays behind. Yeah. Because that's what we, why does the one stay behind? What is he guarding at that point? I he's the know, only he's, one really in the base. Can't come up with a reason that it truly makes sense for him to stay behind. Other yeah. than he really I mean, hates the cult. Yeah. I mean, if I said, if I try to think of something, I bet I could come up with something, but it's like it. It's not a good enough reason. It's, it's not yeah, a good enough excuse. Probably not. Yeah. At least earlier in the movie, you could plausibly say why certain people. But now they know like else. how quickly you could lose track of who's a person. They specifically have control over the situation, and they split up again. Yes, bad idea. It's one of the only times too, like because we've talked about it. Like generally, the people the decisions they make are pretty good. Like, Most of the time, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, or or at least realistic, if not good. You know, it's not like. No, so logical for people in that situation. You're not right. thinking yeah, yourself they're like not in a movie, like right. that they know. Of. They yeah. don't have perfect knowledge of the situation, so they act the way that their their characters should. Yeah. Right? McCready's always kind of being um, a little bit reckless, but he's trying to like just do the best he can. The scientists are trying to figure it out scientifically. I mean, like it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And so they get to Wilfred Brimley's shack, and uh, he's done the only rational thing, and he's tied a noose for himself. And it's hanging right yeah. there next to him while oh, he's no. sitting there Actually, that calmly. Was early. That, that was, was earlier. earlier. This is when they come that back. That was a very creepy moment, yes. though. When they were like, he's like, I'm better now. And there's a noose next to his face? Yeah. That's not usually, like, what you associate huh. with someone feeling much better now. And he says yeah. only three things during that part. He yeah. says, I'm feeling fine. I would really like to come inside, and I'm okay. Yeah. Yes. yeah. But he says them over and over again. Yes. So and this, there's a noose hanger. Yes. <laughs> so up until that point, you think Wilfred Brimley is just a guy that's actually trying to save the base, right? So you think that right. that he figured out that this was and, going to eventually take he, over the and world. And played a little game with you, the listeners, by also just going along with that. But then they go into a shack. <laughs> <laughs> and yes. they go down. It turns like, out. Which turns out the thing is good at digging. Yes, yeah, tunnel, well, it, a really long tunnel, yeah. perfectly built, going into a subterranean. I'm just the, the, on, the, the thing, thing like transforming its hands into shovels and be like. <laughs> Sex play. Yeah. <laughs> right. So you think that it destroyed that? So you think Wilfred Brimley destroyed? I don't know. Help? It's kind of ambiguous. It is, but There's a lot of ambiguity in this movie. Well, yeah, because the things could have been working in tandem. So maybe it wasn't him destroying the helicopter initially. Yeah, like, you know what I mean. I, yes. It's hard to say. It's also it's like did he destroy the helicopter? Or did the thing do it? And it was. And did he just like acquire the pieces? Right. Afterwards. That's the thing because because uh, we didn't mention it on, for the listener like. So they go down, like, in his shack, there's, like, a tunnel underneath, and it, he was, they, they were keeping him in the tool shed, and he apparently used the tools and parts he'd stole from the helicopter, or someone stole from the helicopter. To start 
To start building, building a, a ship. Uh, like a flying saucer. Now yeah. this flying saucer... So- okay, so they had Wilford Brimley in the shack for two days. That's what they said. It was like two days they had him in that shack. And apparently in that time, he had time to disassemble helicopters, bring it down, dig a tunnel, and build an adorable flying saucer. (laughs) An adorable... It's like the flying saucer, like the Muppet Babies would fly in. And it's supposed to contain this fully human-sized thing. No, specifically it's supposed to... It's supposed to contain... Wilford Brimley, who <laughs> no how would fit into that baby that, that saucer like a two year old could into that it's saucer. It's like baby's first flying saucer. It is, it is baby's first flying saucer. And that's why Maybe he was just gonna detach the head, sprout some legs, hop onto the plane. Somehow saucer. that's even more adorable. <laughs> yeah, that would actually be really cute. And that's why it's never explained when Wilford Brimley becomes the thing. Yeah. And but it, when it, in the beginning, in, earlier in the movie, when he's destroying the communications so they can't talk to the outside, he's destroying the helicopters and pieces go missing. It's never made clear. Like, does he destroy the helicopters or does he re- relocate crucial parts to be made into a ship? So, you, it, and they never yeah. tell you. Right. You have no idea. Yeah. yeah. All you know is at some point, Wilford Brimley slash the thing creates this little doll, adorable baby saucer. <laughs> and so they're, they're like, oh fuck. So they go back to the base, and uh, when they start going back there, oh shit, I did that like right on the microphone. Yeah, it was just, cut, the just add it in post. That I'm not going to add. <laughs> do a cute little sound effect instead. Do, uh, no, do the, whoa. Like, whoa. Do they Do they blow up the adorable flying saucer at this moment? Yeah, so. Yeah. No, no, they, uh... I don't know, do they... They don't go back to the base, do no, they? No, they actually... And the other thing, they, I don't... Do they the, destroy the, the saucer at They blow up the tunnel, yeah. They yeah. Okay, blow they blow up the tunnel into, into the saucer. So now, now they go back to the base, right? Because Wilford well, Brimley... they start going back... Uh, yeah. Wilford Brimley's missing. Yeah. And then they go back, and, and they, Child is now missing. Yeah, okay. And, and the generator's gone, too. That's right. That's right. All the power... Oh, it's gone. All, He's like, generator's oh. gone. Like, it's out? No, it's gone. All the power goes out. So now they're... They, well, the power goes out, so now they're going. Now they're and in McCready the subterranean pieces, part and, of the and base. McCready pieces together. He's like, okay, well, the thing's plan now is to just freeze until a rescue party comes next spring. And because it basically hibernates, yeah, yeah, like the world in the ice for hundred thousand years, you know, six how, months, yeah, and then they nothing. bring it home, and then yeah, yeah. So that that's like the thing's plan now isn't to like leave right now. It's like okay. I, Hundred thousand years plus six months. Okay, yeah. it's a very cool twist in the energy because at up until that point, even though the humans don't know for sure who's who, they feel like they're still in control. They want to survive. This is definitely a situation in which nobody's getting out of here anymore, yeah. right. and it's just a race against time and like freezing to death to make sure this thing doesn't make it either. Yeah. Right. Because they think it, up until this point that the thing is like them and wants to survive, right? And it needs it, that it that it's the same kind of biological processes that they undergo. When in reality it's like bacteria that yeah. can live in Antarctica for eons yeah. and still survive. So now there's It goes into like um Sea monkey type of hyperstasis. <laughs> I'm so glad that's the. That's what I think of. It's so, like sea monkey. So then they're like, "Well, fuck it. Let's just blow the whole goddamn thing up." Right. They're gonna just. Des- they're gonna destroy the base and bury it under ice, and hopefully kill the thing, 
and so that it won't get out and won't destroy uh, the world. And this is the part where the thing that disappeared during the dog scene is so critical. Yeah. Because you might have forgotten about it. They definitely yeah. forgot about it. Kate did not I did not forget about it. And the whole I would have pointed out that movie, when we watched it, we had to rewind to be like, because she was like, didn't the little one of the dog things escape? And we're like, no. no. I kind of thought that, but like, I, don't, I, I didn't remember that at all. We had to rewind. So we did you're welcome, to... audience. <laughs> and that apparently was hanging out this entire time in the generator room. Just chilling <laughs> until Wilford Brimley is the thing. Which is never really clear if it's the same organism or if it's like organisms that have fused. Like, do they think independently or in tandem? You don't know. Yeah, are they all like communicating when they've it's taken a hive mind? Like, it's, yeah. like, it's the board. It's the yeah. board. And so Wilford Brimley comes down and connects with the other thing and basically just becomes a gigantic horrifying monster that's under the floorboards. Well, well that's the thing too like because right in this part too it's like one um they all the, everybody wanders off. Well no they don't wander <laughs> off they're splitting up but they're staying within like within shouting distance. distance of each other. Yeah. It, which like seems like a good idea. They're like 20 feet away. Yeah. I mean you could you could still carry on a conversation. Yeah. Right and that's kind of what happens though is like Wilfred Brimley comes out and he just sticks oh, his dude. fingers uh, in inside the dude from uh, Clear and Present Day. Yeah the president's face. Yeah. <laughs> he sticks them inside the president's face and then spreads his fingers I'm so sad stretches his face out. Names. Which is a fantastic thing to see a it gentle old man do. Horrifying. It is so horrifying because it goes on for a lot longer than you expect it to. <laughs> yeah. And and his skin. I mean, it's, it's skin, skin stretching. His, his skin is one of the grossest things. things. It's so gross. That you can picture. And then the black dude's kind of like, hey, is something going on over there? He walks like 10 feet. And then he's just, yeah. He's done. He just, he's he just, just disappears. his body get dragged yeah, you, away. You never see what happens to him. And then Kurt Russell is just putting together dynamite. And he's like, realizes... He's no one's home. around. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey guys, what's going on? You know, hey, you want to watch a football game after this? And almost anybody else in any other horror movie would keep asking. But he hey, where'd like, you guys go? Yes, hey, where true. are you? But he, he knows. He's like, it, it gave me chills. He yeah, knew exactly what happened. It's true. He doesn't like, yeah, he doesn't second guess. He just keeps on with his right, like mission. Like, yeah. Which means at this point, the character McCready believes he's the only one alive. Yeah. like And, and he's holding this uh, he, he tries to, to detonate the, the dynamite right he's then and there. Like, he is like ready to right. just kill himself and blow up the whole base right that second because he thinks he's the only one still alive. And but then, then the, uh, the, thing, the thing comes under the ground, Bugs Bunny style. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and yes. It grabs yes. the detonator, which or the I haven't Trumpers. seen one of those detonators since, like, a Bugs Bunny in almost Three Stooges comic fashion uses a tentacle to like snatch it away so that uh, he can't blow everything up. more like unworldly horrors. Yeah, well the way it's like very quickly grabbed, you know. It's almost intelligent Tremors. Like if the things from Tremors were intelligent. Or like if H.P. Lovecraft wrote a Three Stooges episode short. Yes. They were alive at the same time. This movie is if H.P. Lovecraft and Three Stooges came together. Was that you? Yeah! We should do an edit to the film with like added three sounds and like just like quick, like fast forward like motions and stuff. 
great. It could only it only improve the movie. So at that point, the plunger's gone, and he has a stick of dynamite. Yeah, well, and the it, and he's right, and he also, lights it. Yeah, runs out and throws it, and I found this out. That was real. That was actually was Kurt dynamite. Russell throwing a stick of dynamite. That's crazy, and they had calculated the distance he had to throw it. And then they miscalculated, so he actually got blown past by the He did? And it was like, how dare they endanger the safety of Kurt Russell's face? <laughs> how dare they? Right? The rest of him, who gives a crap? And yeah. that's what I love about these kind of low-budget films, is that it was meant to... Like, they probably thought, oh, it's a super-controlled explosion, no worries. Yeah. But they don't have right. stunt doubles. Right. It's just Kurt Russell, Yay. and he almost dies. And this is a movie that cost $15 million in today's money. Right. So you know they didn't have experts on hand yeah. ready to jump in. Like, yeah, that'll probably do it. That's, that should be far enough. Just lob it as far as you can, Kurt. <laughs> it's like one guy's missing a hand, missing there. an eye, and he's yeah. like, just throw it as hard as you can. It'll be fine. <laughs> but wait till the wick is burned down about knee yeah. high. There you go. But, like, in, uh, I know I was um, reading about, like, in The Good Man Halo, where they blow up the bridge in that yeah. movie... Clint Eastwood's like, well, where should we sit? They're like, oh, you sit, you stand right there. He's like, what? Why are you guys all back there? They're like, oh, you know, we're just gonna stand here and blow it. He's like, well, if you're standing back there, I'm standing back there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> or uh, James Woods was filming uh, one time, yes. and he was uh, he had a gun to his head, yeah, and there was uh, like a. Guy, the the crewman who was holding the gun to his head only spoke Spanish. Oh Jesus! And the, he only lived with this gun to his head because he was supposed to get his act, the the character gets his brains shot out. Yeah. And there were blanks in the gun, which they aren't the same as like the squibs in right. the gun because they actually have gunpowder in them. And if they had pulled the trigger on his head, it would have blown his brains right. out for Holy real. Crap. And he only survived because he heard the person speak in Spanish the word for blank in Spanish. And so he, was he like, takes oh, the gun from him and Hold empties on. it in the air. Blank? Did yeah. you say blank? <laughs> it's the same thing um, people are but Viggo Morrison almost died during Lord of the Rings because uh, during the big fight on the hill when the hobbits are kidnapped the character who was in Urhai had a mask that didn't give him any peripheral vision, so he had no depth perception. <laughs> so he's meant to throw this knife and miss the character, and instead it goes right to his face. Oh. <laughs> and he just happened to throw up his sword in time Holy to block crap. it. And so it, and it's in the movie, and it's it looks fantastic. like a super cool, cool thing. No, that's just, the, that's just that actor trying to save his life. Panicking, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, but it also, like, the... the um, the thing burrowing under the ice kind of explains how Wolford Brimley dug that tunnel, like, you know. Super quick. Super yeah. quick, yeah. Brimley. He just yes. turned left at Albuquerque. Yeah. And to be honest, maybe it wasn't Wolford Brimley's the yeah. thing. He maybe it was, was the dog that, thing. Like, turn it Albuquerque's. Yeah. But also then, also you see, too, like, because they mentioned, like, the thing he turned into, like, anything it's turned into. And, like, it kind of turns into, like, some weird dinosaur thing there, too. Yeah. Right at the end. And it's like, this it's wasn't like, in the movie. See, I thought it was, like, a giant worm with, like, a dinosaur head. It's really yeah. there, were, there were dog like dog heads. Yeah, there was like out dog pieces. It's just really which horrifying. is which is how I know that's the that's yeah. the part of the dog thing. Yeah. Where I'm like, oh good, I'm yeah. not going crazy. Right, but it also had like a dinosaur head or something too, which is not in the movie. So it's crazy. like, how long ago did it eat a tyrannosaurus? Yeah, like maybe. Yeah, or, you know, because I, you don't know. You're right. They never explain the movie, but you can kind of maybe figure it's like out an alien thing that it ate. You know, like oh. an alien tyrannosaurus. Yes. 
Well, I think Whoa. you can kind of figure out that it keeps on, I like almost like a digital file of everything it. Right, like the T one thousand. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So maybe at one point when it first landed, it did eat the dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah, not a hundred thousand years ago. <laughs> Science doesn't hold up. <laughs> <laughs> well, they said at least, Dan. Yeah, I know this is true. You know, okay, their ice science was very and inaccurate. Once again, Dan, the world is only 5,000 years I old. Guys, I gotta be honest. I think it's older than that. I was joking earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, but so then Kermos blows the thing up, goes outside, and... The whole the whole camp's destroyed, right? It's just like pieces of wreckage just falling down and fires, and he just sits down on the ice, and he's ready to just sit there and drink his gym yeah. and and die. And Keith David walks up and he's like, hey man. Childs uh, walks yeah. up. Yeah. He's like, how's it going? You, where, no, you said, where were you? Yeah. yeah. And the, the, the best question to ask yeah. during the death match with the alien. And according to the character of Childs, he saw Wilford Brimley run by and followed him. Yeah. And so the ending's kind of, and they're like, well, let's just uh, sit here and kind of wait. Basically, it's like, oh. it's going to be a long night. The perfect and ending. And they both just yes. start drinking J&B. The music cue comes back in. It is super <laughs> badass. Well, they, they are not, they're not hanging out. Yeah. That, that, we need to make that they're clear. It's they're like in a standoff. Yeah. 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 This is two people, one of whom might be the thing. Probably not Kurt Russell. Bum, bum. But probably Childs. Bum, bum. Standing and, yeah. off. And they're two guys who never got along during the movie, even if they're both still human. Like, and then um, I'm going to point out, it is ambiguous, but I guess um, John Carpenter has said, isn't it obvious you can see Kurt Russell's breath and not... Like child's breath. Are you kidding me? When I I watched it, you can't. He's. I I, I, I actually thought about that because in a lot of movies, it sometimes hmm. digitally will insert breath. And Kurt Russell's Russell's breath is coming out and like, wait, child's isn't. But I I thought, though, that it said on IMDb that that story was apocryphal. Like, he didn't actually say that. I mean, it could be fake. It could very easily be fake. I think it was supposed to be ambiguous. Maybe the thing said that. It was an interesting It's an interesting thing when I went and watched it again. I'm like, you... He has, like, his breath, yeah, it's coming out in plumes. As if you were in Antarctica. Yeah. Right. But what is good about this movie is it is ambiguous. It's yeah. kind of like I, like... I think he's a thing. I like How could he not be a thing? Because the thing know? was occupied elsewhere. That's possible. Yeah. All I say is that this is actually the only ending this film could have. Yeah. Other than that's every, true. Other than everyone being dead, yeah. it's the only uh, logical ending. Other than Reservoir ending. Dogs, it's the only... Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, this movie is never going to have a happy ending because... For, even if even if they're not someone isn't the thing even if a child isn't the thing yeah they're going to die they're gonna die they can't they blew up they blew up their base they, to survive. they can't communicate they've already made clear that they don't even know if anybody's out there in Antarctica yeah. listening to them yeah. right they're both going to die yeah. even before they destroyed the radio they're like yeah oh, the radio's not we can't get anybody on the radio so if they freeze to death and one of and childs is a thing they're screwed. Yeah, and right. then so and what they, happens next, you know? Right. And they talk about that, that if they don't do something, if they don't basically kill themselves yeah. and destroy themselves, when the rescuers come, which I mean, eventually, so they're going to be like, why have we heard from our base? And they're yeah, gonna, yeah. someone's going to go out and figure it out, and they're going to come upon this, just like they did just the Norwegian camp, and so, yeah, they'll all people, start again. Some people really don't like then it's ambiguous. I, I do. I like it. Because I'm not a stupid baby. Like, <laughs> Dang. Uh, the other factor that's in play here is Kurt Russell's tape. 
during the course of the movie. Oh, yeah. yeah, he hid the tape. He hides a tape that explains the whole situation. Yeah. You know, in super dependable audio cassette form. Yeah. Oh, of course, then he that's before he blows up the camp, so who knows if that tape actually survives. Yeah. Maybe, but yeah. These are all things to consider. Yeah. So, um, kind of final thoughts or anything else you want to talk about with the era it came out in? Or, I mean... I think I just I think I, I just love how the film was made for such a small budget and the decisions yeah. that they made and I think it I think some really great filmmaking always happens whenever you have to kind of work with a really small budget. Like, for example, the, the, the Norwegian camp is actually the same set that's the U.S. Yeah. camp. They just filmed it after they destroyed it in a big giant explosion. It's yeah. just little touches, or the fact that using an amputee in that scene with the doctor, having to be practical, practical, having to like solve problems that way. I know that one of the things I think is cool is like John Carpenter had said he didn't want to have a movie that was a guy in a suit. So you know he's like, I love the original Alien, but in the end of the movie, it's a guy in a suit, and you can tell. You know, like that's what it mm-hmm. looks like. And he said when he saw the scene of the head sprouting legs and walking that's when he really felt proud of the movie because he was like that looks awesome and it is not a guy in a suit like it looks amazing and so like it it breaks my heart like I'm glad this movie has had a life after the fact but it was like not critically received it didn't do well at the box office and it was like his greatest disappointment because he was so proud of this movie and like and like for me like it's I'm really into horror movies. I'm doing a horror movie podcast, a host of one. <laughs> uh, this is one of my favorite horror movies, so I'm glad I got to enjoy it years later. That it is, you know, it's considered one of the best horror movies yeah. like now. Like absolutely, yeah. like, it does. It does whatever horror, every good horror movie should strike out to do, which is it makes you for a minute believe in the impossible. Yeah. And the impossible is horrifying. Right. Yeah. No, I right. remember too the first time you saw it, you were at our house, we were having a Halloween party. There yeah. were a lot of people there and you were like, I'm really glad we're watching this in a room full of people <laughs> so I can get to bed tonight. Right. Because like, so to scary. this day, like I can I contend that that is the scariest movie that I've ever seen. Yeah, uh, sure. I've seen quite a. F- I, I haven't yeah. gone off the deep end. Oh no, like, no, no, no! It's it's a it's, it's up fun, there. Yeah, yeah. Right. it's it's easily can rank and as the scariest movie you've ever seen. I think because mm-hmm. the the use of suspense. And, my only real complaint about this movie is the lack of character development. But given the mm-hmm. type of movie it is, I'll, I'll forgive it, you know? And that's why horror films generally aren't well-received by critics. Yes. Is that they're much more about plot development than, than character, character development. development. And, that's true. And in, in parts of this film, it does kind of become paint by numbers. It's like, all right, well, who's going to be the next one to die? Yeah. And you know that they have to slowly but surely widow down that cast until the last one or two guys yeah, that makes they, it. they did a pretty good job. I thought the character oh, yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Well, we established yeah. that Nulls likes to roller skate and he <laughs> loves superstition. Which is actually why I think I think that costume means important in this All film. Alright, sure. Because, oh, hey. well, hey, I mean, we'll get the best costume. Uh, okay, this is the well, before, Right before we get to segments, All can right. I say like, can we talk a little bit about anything else that was going on in horror? I mean, we talked about what was going on in the country at the time. Like... Ronald Reagan was president. <laughs> I say that a lot. The whenever, Cold War. All whenever that. we review a movie from the 80s, I say it like three or four times. Yeah. Like, um, this is, you know, the the thing that probably, you know, best defines why the thing failed, I think, is going back film. to... Well, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Go ahead. No, you finish your thought. I thought we were on the same page. 
Uh, clearly not, because I'm about to talk about E.T. Oh, yeah, okay. You know, because yeah. you have these two conflicting the friendly views. alien. Yeah. Of, you know, aliens. E.T. came out just a few weeks earlier than this, and it's like, no, we want our aliens to, like, eat, what did he eat, Skittles? Yeah. And, like, Reese's Pieces. Reese's Pieces, excuse me. Yeah. That was Mac and me. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Completely. No, <laughs> the friendly oh, alien. Oh, oh, no. And, and that's actually... I agree with that point. If this film had come out in the 70s, I think it would have done a lot better. Because in the 70s, I feel like there was a feeling in the country that things weren't going the right way. Especially the late 70s. That that stuff wasn't... That something was wrong and we were on the wrong track. And then when Reagan became president... There was a newfound hope. Not wrongfully, rightfully, whatever. Uh, There was this belief that this was the new dawn of America, right? Well, well. Right, so people wanted... Popcorn film. Yeah. Right? They didn't want They wanted Ronald films. Reagan type movies. <laughs> you know something? He did say well a lot. They wanted E.T. And, yeah, and yeah. Indiana Jones. And they, and they wanted just fun family films. Bronx. And then you have something like The Thing that's reminding you that no, actually... There's a lot of scary shit out there. Yeah. And, yeah. and like, no um, wants it. John Carpenter talked about there's something really scary about the thought of a threat from someone you trust or loved ones. Oh, yeah. Something no, that's that, the scariest you know, thing like, about these movies. So, like, that's why zombie movies, I think, work so well. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like you know, the, the people you love turning against you yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Dan and I, you might not know this, but Dan and I were roommates in college and yes. completely missed opportunity for you, Dan. Because, like, if you had snuck into my room in the middle of the night and then started screaming at me like Bennings did, <laughs> like, that would be it for me. I'd be done. We wouldn't all be sitting here. Jason would actually be in a mental institution. <laughs> Scariest thing that could ever happen. Hot boxes on my feet and stuff. Came up the stairs to surprise you. I I caught you midway. Yeah. Were you coming upstairs to surprise me with a bunch of boxes on you? Like, yeah. And to this day, I'm sorry I caught you. I really wish. It would have been funnier. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, getting, but uh, transitioning to our segments. Segments. Best outfit. This is what we're talking about costuming, is that. Because you don't have a lot of time to do characterization, they really spend a lot of time giving them all a little unique look. The wardrobe was supposed to tell you a lot about the character, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty much, in, in many cases, like the guy at the roller skates, it's yeah. all they tell That's you about That's all we character. know about him, really, yeah. 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 Uh, then you you see someone who immediately identifies as like, oh, that's the Vietnam vet who's like completely disillusioned and Palmer. Yeah. yeah. You know, he's smoking like the biggest joints. He's, like, <laughs> he's got the denim vest, which is like full of patches. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty. So, best outfit, people. Um, you know, I I liked that generally the movie. It felt like there were a lot of um accessories that made it feel like an 80s party movie. You had, like, windows with shades on and Yeah, doors. inside, like he's Jim McMahon or yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> like, you had uh, Paul, is it Palmer in the sleeveless jean jacket. Yes. yes. Um, I gotta go... I, 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 I gotta go Mick Reedy, um, cowboy hat, leather bomber. Yeah, dude, also, like... There's the shit out of kinda, that. We, we mentioned earlier, but I didn't want to talk about it. Impractical outfit. Before the, uh, the, uh, Outfit segment, but that had like it's not just like a cowboy; it's like a Yosemite Sam hat. It is yes, like, it is dramatic. It is like, yeah. yeah, there are cowboys on Texas ranches. They're going. I think that's a little too much. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone else best outfit? Best outfit. 
Kate? I'm going to go with Roller Skate Guy. Yeah, that's a good no. call. I mean, yeah. come on. It's it's pretty awesome. I wrote and down he too. was good in those roller skates. Yeah, he yeah. had some I wrote that down too because like, I'm pretty good at roller skating. I like roller skating. Um, he's wearing sweatpants, which is like really comfortable. And like you get away with that in the 80s, which is nice. And the sweatband. And the yeah, sweatband, which... The sweatband was sweet. It's really funny too because um, I had to look. You can't just find those anywhere, but I have to buy those for myself when I work out because I, I sweat a lot and it gets in my eyes and it burns. So I look like I'm from another country or something when I'm at the gym. We, when we work out together, like, I don't talk to them at the gym. Sure. <laughs> and I have a sweatband on, like, it's 1984. Do you wear jeans? He wears a... No. no, but he wears a sleeveless tee. Yes. I'm going to shut the gun. I've seen these. I've so seen these shirts. So either from the 80s or Eastern Europe is what you're saying. Right. <laughs> That's yeah, the really. look. So, but yeah, I agree. No, it's best, best outfit, outfit Jason? I think The Thing had the best outfit <laughs> because it wore every outfit. First <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> For any Cap- season. Okay, the uh, Captain Rhodes <laughs> Memorial Award Best Hair. Well, oh come on! I mean, so, I mean, that's why you got her. Yeah, I mean, any movie, her face and in. top. Oh, yeah. He has he is a glorious like lion's mane in yes. this movie. He, I mean, he looks like a muppet, and it's, he has it's those beautiful. soulful blue eyes. Yeah, it's really. <laughs> Um, like I don't even have a runner up. It's like he's. So I have hard. a runner up, okay. but I'll, yeah. you know, go finish your thought. No, that's it. Finish pontificating about yeah. Kurt Russell's magnificence. His, his awesome hockey hair. Oh yeah. man. Well, I mean, there's there's a communications guy, Jufro, which is going on. It's just it's yeah. very sweet, nice. sweet hair yeah. as well, it's and a very I mean, nice perm. You, if anyone, any naysayers were to say, like, there is some contest between Peace Ways' hockey hair <laughs> and Kurt Russell's hockey hair at this era, it's like, point him to this movie. It's like, you really want to, like, put Peace Ways up and stack him against I this know, We kind of have to watch him back to back, I think. I, oh, well, you'll be proven wrong. I think uh, we should watch Ruben <laughs> House and Big Trouble Little China. That's fair. Um... That would be that would be a sweet movie night. Yeah, uh, I have a runner-up uh, honorable mention at least. Childs has a sweet black dude look and really nicely groomed, uh, very flattering facial hair. Yes, but he's my runner-up. Yeah, he's very actually clean, the only one who looks like cut. he shaved at all, ever. At, like ever. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he looks like he would smell nice, which you can't he, say for that's everyone. True. He, he on looks like that a military set. guy. I, yes. When oh, like everybody else, they just look like hobos. Yeah, because I definitely get the feeling of like there are scenes in the rec room and stuff where I'm like, I can almost smell the dude stink. And I don't get that from child. He doesn't have a dude stink vibe. I bet you he takes a little bit of fuel from his flamethrower each morning and dabs it behind his ear. <laughs> like, that's probably for why that he smells rustic, good. Rustic, manly scent. <laughs> Um, uh, anyone else best hair? Anything else to say? There is nothing else. Is <laughs> Hottest titties. Zero, unfortunately, because well, there are none. zero women in this movie. However, okay, I have now, a winner. Uh, I've got a winner. It's the game show contestant because oh, they're yeah. watching a rerun of a tape by default. That is true. It's the eighties version of Netflix. They're yeah. watching yes. tapes of game shows. Old game shows. Yes. I, uh, so they're watching like Let's Make a Deal, and there's some woman who's not particularly attractive, but. By default. By default. Yeah, you know what? Well, I'm going wait, to disagree with you. Wasn't there, uh, wasn't one point one of them was reading like a nudie magazine? 
I thought that I thought I, the communications guy was really good. I bet you probably right. I can see definitely the prop department throwing some nudie magazines. And just like I mean, that just might be me projecting or something. I don't know, yeah. but I thought there was. I, it makes sense. They're in the middle of Antarctica. I have with a no bunch of stimulation. Okay, no, it's got to happen. Um, the jaw titties. <laughs> the jaws. Oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> when the jaws open up on the table, yeah, I, the, I, those titties. Yes, I guess those you could pretty- say. I mean, it's also like jaw, torso, jaw, right. stomach. Yeah, those I mean, are my winner. Technically, when Kurt Russell opens up the chess computer, which has a female it voice, is a lady voice. That's yeah, true. You do get so to see some exposed wires. You know, wires. Yeah, <laughs> computer titties. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? There's definitely something going on in there. I feel like we're really reaching. We're grasping at straws. I think we pretty thoroughly explored this. Okay, scariest scene. So many. Uh, for me, it's the blood test. Like yeah. that's the scene. Like yeah, really, the tension like, in from the, the scene. first time I saw this movie when I was in like high school. It was like this is like I mean, it's, it's so kind of scary. the most iconic scene of the movie for yeah. a reason. For sure. And it's like being with the dudes are tied up. And the dude starts, like, you know, melting into a spaghetti tentacle monster. And they're like, burning! Jesus Christ, we're tied up here! Like, you just feel Everybody's like- screaming, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I actually... See, I always think in movies that the tension is always scarier, yeah. right? Like, Jaws yeah. is scarier well, before you see the shark. And that's what's so scary about the scene. Well, Even yeah. before he becomes yeah, the thing, yeah. it's all that tension because you don't know who's the thing and who isn't. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's what I mean. It's so tense. And then... It's so uncomfortable to watch. Mm. Uh-huh. The first time you watch it, it is... I I remember thinking, this is the most tense thing I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah, the only movie I felt more tense during, like, before that was the first time I saw Aliens. Yeah. Sure. Um, Yeah, oh, when they're um, tracking it. Yeah. Yeah, That part, yeah. uh, Jason? Yeah, for me, like you were saying, the first time I saw that film was in a room full of people, and probably the most jarring moment for me was the first time you see that it's actually not a dog. Yeah, and uh, the, it goes from zero to a hundred, yeah. super quick. Because the first thing that happens, besides the dog shaking, is the whole face splits into four pieces yes. and flies open to expose a dog skull, and it's still screaming. Yeah, and that is it's like so the most jarring thing that this movie could do. It's that entire kennel scene where it's just warping and shooting dogs with its like acid. Symmetry blood to make them part of itself. Like, all of that was just broke my brain the first time I saw it. Yeah. Uh, Kate? Uh, I have to agree with you. I think the scariest scene is definitely the scene where they're tossing the blood. Dope. Um, I have a runner up. Um, just real quick the Wolford Brimley putting his hand inside the dude's mouth to assimilate him. <laughs> just because the look on Wolford Brimley's face during that scene is so mean and scary because he's like he's very serious and like concentrating yeah. mm-hmm. it makes it really creepy See, well, so that's I, a good I, I, the blood scene is definitely well, to me the scary kind of using that to transition I wrote that down for best death for me okay like, that was like he puts his hand like in the dude's face yeah and it's also like it's also like kind of like the way his face is like well in like too. yeah the way he just stretches it out but also it's like at that point in the movie too it's like maybe this thing's getting better at assimilating people because it just takes him down like yeah. it doesn't melt into a spaghetti monster yeah like it's like it's very deliberate and you can tell that clear and present danger is trying to scream yeah but he, <laughs> he doesn't can't. have a mouth anymore yeah because uh, his entire arm is in which it. is yeah. horrifying because it's like you get the sense that he's way more aware 
of what's mm-hmm. happening to him. Oh, he's totally aware. Yeah. And I, and there's in that whole process when he's dying, he is quite well aware that yeah. this is happening to him. Well, at least Super creepy. For best death. Best death. I put. Oh. Um, during the blood scene, when the dude's head turns into a Venus flytrap and bites Windows Windows head, turns him into a tummy, (laughs) it's awesome. It's such a great dead. Everybody is, there's bedlam. Everybody's panicked. The, you know. The flamethrower is working. It's great. That's my best dad. Kate? Uh, I have to go with the puppies. Because that's like, that's the only death in the film that I emotionally feel. Yeah. Like, the rest of the deaths, they're going to be scarier. It's like, okay, they're happening. But that death, it, it, it just hits right here. Well, yeah, no, I, I can't stand seeing dogs die in movies. And it's, a, and it's like, they're trapped. Yeah. Yes. It's, like, way more upsetting. No chance. Yeah. And, right. and it, it's the same reason why every scene that a dog dies, it's like, humans, you're like, oh, maybe he was an asshole. Like, maybe something happened. And maybe he yeah. did something. Maybe he molested children. You usually can't tell that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, like. But, like, you always think dogs are always innocent. Yeah. But, like, they don't know what's happening. Jason, best death? My best death of the movie has to be Kurt Russell. Like, he does what, like, no human can ever do, which is stare death in the eye and choose to freeze to death yeah. with a bottle of whiskey yeah. in his hand. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It, a lot of people would put a bullet in their heads yeah. and he just stares it down. You, so, fantastic. He, like, doesn't even seem afraid. Yeah. Uh, would you survive, Jason? Wait, Not yeah. what? Oh, sorry. Continue. Would I survive? Not a chance. Not a chance. Kate? I don't think anybody can survive in this scenario. I think I would last longer than mm. most, but I would definitely die. Uh, okay, counterpoint. Okay, so they find out there's a thing, right? Here's kind of my argument why I think I would. No one tries to be nice to the thing. You know, no one's like, <laughs> hey guys, let's all like, okay, like you find out like someone's an alien. Like, no one's like, hey, let's all have some some soda pops, you know? Like, let's all like, hey, we've got an, they have an Asteroids arcade machine. And it was like, hey, you know, it's been a while, guys. Like, let's try to, like, break my high score on there. I assume I'd have the high score. You know, like, you know, like, or maybe like a sing-along. Like, everyone starts saying, row, row, row your boat. They do a round. So you yeah. kumbaya, that's your plan. They, yeah. never, they never established that the thing needs to absorb them all. Right. And, like, I would try to show there's like, another way. Be like, hey, you know, like. So you'd be a traitor to the human race. No, that's no, your no. plan. No, no, no. I would convince the thing that there's, like, better things to do than eat everybody. Because, like, we could, like, sing songs, yeah. like, play video games. Tea for two. Like. We could play, yeah. We could play pool together. We could have a pool tournament, ping pong. Yeah. Well, you're, you know? you're basing this logic on the idea that the thing is more than just an organism consuming thing. Yeah. It's very like, smart. It's, it's but, very but it's, smart. To me, it feels like it's the Borg. Right, but right? No it's only no, its mission no, is just to just keep consuming. No things. one's ever showed it any love. You, yeah, you don't know that. Yeah, you yeah know I'm that. imagining like a long running comic strip, like Calvin and Hobbes, <laughs> right now with me and an <laughs> you other and the thing, yes. <laughs> otherworldly horror. Is it like disgusting and full of like yeah. different faces and, and stuff? Like, as it walks down and they're the on the sled together <laughs> coming down the hill. Can you like, never hey, actually you find out what the thing looks like? Not right. Yeah, if it's not, that is a thing to like. Pontificate about like what is its natural form? Like what does it look like? Is it the giant worm yeah. thing with like heads, or is that just the scary thing it becomes to freak out non-thing people? I'm gonna say no because before we even get to the thing moment, it definitely feels like we're being set up to do like a stir crazy shining type freak out. There are axes available, so I feel like had the thing not shown up. 
probably someone, maybe me, would have freaked out and killed everybody. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it would have just been a normal yeah. murder. At the, but, in the end, in bloodbath, everybody dies. Okay, so. but then what if, like, I was like, hey, let's have some soda pop and, like, a, a ping pong tournament? Only like, so many days of that, and, you know... It seems like they actually had a lot of ping pong tournaments. Yeah. I feel like they'd already had their fill of yeah, that at this point in the movie. I don't know. You could always have another one. I'm not even that good at ping pong. Mm-hmm. Like, I... Well, I mean, that's that's more endearing, because yeah. then you miss it, and you're like, oh, you won again the thing. <laughs> Dan, I love that you are the you are the embodiment of Let's Buy the World a Coke. <laughs> if you just bought a soda pop for everybody, it would all yeah. work out. I, you know, I'm, I'm counting out people outside of Chicago to hear it, otherwise it would just call it pop. It's <laughs> me to say soda pop. Dang. No, actually, I think saying soda pop's better because it's so 1950. <laughs> <laughs> I want this to be a segment on your show where, would Dan survive if he offered the killer a pop. <laughs> soda pop. <laughs> Me and Joe Green, you know. Okay, uh, those. so now we're going to rate the movie. So, we tend to compare the movie to Friday the 13th Part 4. This movie is decidedly better. It's better than Friday the 13th Part 4, yeah. In every conceivable Is there, really, every, is there anything that 4's got on this? Uh, no, because the gore effects in 4 are really good. They're this much better. Much better, yeah. Far away. Yeah. yeah. Far away. It's one of the best. Yeah. If not the best. And then, um, I give this movie four and a half machetes. That's exactly how many I give it. I a couple points deducted for like a, like maybe a little more character development and it not be and just personal taste in that like I tend to prefer like well, I don't know. It, it's a very moody atmospheric film which I look for and I and aside from the very intrusive violin score, <laughs> I tend to really like the the score, the deep bass lines and stuff. But yeah, I give it four and a half out of five. You guys? I'm probably giving it three and a half out of five. And the only reason is that... Plausibility the, factors? No, it's just the characters. Like, yeah, the characters. I never, I never feel for anyone's death. That's why the dogs dying is yeah. the saddest part of the movie for me. Hmm. So I'm not as invested as it should be. And it, it's in the, the atmosphere is great, the music's great, that the whole idea and concept is horrifying, yeah. scary... But then on the other hand, I'm like, all right, when's this one going to die? Well, yeah. When's this one going to die? <laughs> uh, I mean, if I'm applying just, like, what I look for in a horror film. Your personal taste. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- this this did it for me yeah. a thousand percent. Yeah. It does what I want a horror movie to do. The only other movie that makes me feel like that that I can think off the top of my head is Fallen. Yeah. Like, where it's jumping from person to person. You don't know who to trust or yeah. who's... Yeah. And so, like, just keeping me constantly off balance. I've got to give it five. Yeah. Because it just... Awesome. It did it. It yeah. did it for me a hundred percent. Yeah. All right. Um, so, that's it. Um... Um, Professor Werewolf on Twitter, prof underscore werewolf. Check me out. I do videos part of a comedy group with this guy uh, called Bid Are Child. I'm a guy. He's a guy. <laughs> yep. <I'm> Jason. <laughs> uh, do you have anything to plug or? Uh, no, at the moment, no. I'm good. Kate? No. No, just keep listening. Yay. Keep it spooky, everybody. This is fun. Yeah. Boom. <laughs>